Episode 9 of the Ammo Hour. Um, I've been trying to record this intro a few times, having to move around because of the sun. But uh, what a nice problem to have uh, here in Bonnie, Scotland. I don't know if we have any listeners from out with our country at the moment. But uh, yeah, not very normal here. And it's unquantifiable the difference it's making in my mood and a lot of the people I know um, around me who suffer from kind of mental health issues, especially over the dark winter months. I was actually reading through uh, some messages in a little group chat we've got to just be a safe space to talk, and we've got a football team, Glasgow Saints, uh, a lot of the guys um, go from there. Check that out, by the way. It's a charity football team, um, which does all we can to raise money to uh, fund our local food bank and asylum seeker and refugee charities. Uh, You can check that out at Glasgow Saints FC on all social media. Um, But yeah, going back to the point, um, everyone was really struggling. Obviously a lockdown was a different kind of stress, but you know, it was a really cold, dark, bleak winter months, um, all the way from kind of end of October until probably a couple of weeks ago. Just rainy, dark, long, long, dark days, you know, unless you're getting up super early in the morning to catch maybe a couple hours of sunlight as it come up. Uh, you know, it's was, it was just really rough. And, you know, instantly uh, March comes and it's sunshine. It's 15 degrees, which here again is pretty hot, um, but just sunny day all day. And I found myself um, out running again, um, doing exercise, football's returning, um, just so much more productive. I've been sitting on the back burner for about 20 demos um, from my band We Came From Wolves. We've got a special release coming out really soon. Uh, it should have been out by now, and I'm so excited to release that to everybody. So again, follow We Came From Wolves, uh, just at We Came From Wolves, no spaces, uh, or on Spotify. Um, you know, If you want to check that out, that's coming so soon. Um, and we're demoing the second album, and I've had you know maybe twenty tracks there that I've just been meant to demo, and we're sitting in you know winter months with nothing to do, and I just can't be bothered. Like the energy to just do something I love is not there. Yet when this sun's coming out, even though I want to be outside, I'm sitting here with my coffee and I'm hammering through these demos because I'm inspired again. Like the sunlight inspires me. Um, it's just a, a bigger metaphor for the whole life, isn't it? Like sunlight, warmth, like it, it's, a, it's a nurturing element. Um, but obviously, it's, it's strange how we don't remember, you know, that this isn't a, a surprise. This happens every single year of our lives, and it's happened since the dawn of time. The seasons, you know, like it's going to be bleak and dark. Um, but just like anything, you got to get through the struggle to get the payoff of uh, the sun and the warmth. So it's strange that it does affect uh, every year, but it does. And uh, I'm just so thankful we're, we're through that. It makes me think, I mean, nobody's got the easy, everyone has their own challenges, but it makes me think, you know, how, uh, how much nicer it would be to live in a place where, yeah, it's not dark and, and uh, rainy and wet and freezing in the winter. 
And I wonder if that, you know, well, I've, I've no doubt that that links to a lot of the mental health issues and uh, health issues, obesity problems and stuff in the British Isles. Um, so yeah, they're, they're interesting topics for another day, I guess. But um, yeah, just, just wanted to, uh, to put that out there, put that energy out there and hope that everyone else is feeling the same. And wherever you are in the world, you know, I don't know if it's for summer or winter, but yeah, shit times aren't permanent and the good times will come. So yeah, I've been buzzing about productivity, got all the demos off, sending them through to my drummer Andy. He's going to work on that, bounce them back. I'll then lock in new guitars to that. We'll get off to our bassist Rob and our guitarist in Canada, Callum. I'll do some vocals on that and then we'll be sorting out pre-production with Neil Kennedy who you saw a few episodes ago and then we'll be working on uh, pre-production up here in Scotland and then looking to book sometime hopefully this year, um, the end of the year, down in uh, the ranch studios in Southampton to record The Weekend from Wolves' second album which we've uh, been kind of chipping away at since you know 2015 uh, for a follow-up put out some EPs I've been really, really proud of, but um, that, that, that full length's been something we never wanted to take for granted and only wanted to put together when we thought every single song was worth its weight in gold to us. And I've gone through about 50 plus demos, like more ideas on my voice notes, but actual sitting writing songs. Um, and then we whittled that down to about 35 to eventually uh, get through together to, to pick what we liked and uh, came uh, down to a kind of final 18, which we'll go and record and then choose anywhere between 10 to 15 of those to go on a record. So yeah, um, but yeah, as I said, a really special release coming out way before that. We're talking, could be days. We're just waiting on a final bit of artwork and that'll be really cool to announce. Um, yeah, I don't even want to say anything here because We'll do a cool wee announcement on it soon. But yeah, follow the pages. If you're a fan of the band or if you have a wee listen through hearing me talk about this and you like it, follow We Came From Wolves and uh, yeah, we'll be releasing something pretty soon. But yeah, that's that's me. Uh, that's me on all my uh, inspiration this week because of that lovely big gold disc in the sky. Um, thanks so much uh, for checking out the podcast. You can follow us at The Ammo Hour on Instagram. It's then got the link for YouTube um uh, all the all the places you can listen to the podcast um please give us a like and a subscribe please comment all these things help the algorithms and help more people listen we're gonna get a little visit here from ranga young bud um that's my cat if you're listening um so yeah the ammo hour on socials and please give me your feedback um i've also asked you know if you think there's somebody i should be talking to would make a really uh, interesting conversation it doesn't matter the subject I'm not looking to speak to somebody from music or somebody from this industry or that just people who are interesting or you know have have cool ways of looking at life they don't even need a story they just want to hear from interesting people and please just drop a message in the comments or DM me whatever you can also email um, at the ammo hour at gmail.com and as always, 20% off at the merch store. We've got some awesome tees, um, cool wolf and traditional key designs and hoodies, um, which you can get uh, at theammocollective.bigcartel.com. And if you put the ammo hour at checkout, you'll get 20% off 
as I said, all the links are on Insta. So basically, head to Insta at the Ammo Hour and everything you need is there. Today's guest is an absolute legend. Um, it's Chris Dudley from the band Under Oath, which is one of my favourite bands. Um, a band that inspired a lot of uh, my listening and writing habits um, from being a kind of young, angsty emo dude <laughs> into an older, angsty emo dude. Um, but he's uh, such an interesting guy um, on all the kind of interviews I watch from Under Oath. Obviously, I'm a vocalist and a guitarist, so I've always been super uh, interested in you know Aaron's vocals, Spencer's vocals, um, and obviously all the guitar work as well. Um, from especially Tim's stuff, really interesting style. But Chris has always been a guy that spoke so well. His element of adding synths and textures and pad work to their music, I feel, took them from being a, a really great kind of band in the rock kind of genre to just something different, um, ethereal sounds. And, and when they brought out their album, um, Lost in the Sound of Separation, I really just thought, you know, it had gone to new levels. Um, and it was the effects and the textures that he was putting into their sounds just made it sound cinematic to me. And from just listening, if you want maybe watching live videos, I was able to just be immersed in this record and listening from start to end. It was just a whole new experience. And then it became no surprise to me when I saw him pop up on social media, media channels saying that he is now scoring films or has been over the last couple of years because I feel that his style lends itself so well to that. So that's something I was really interested about um, and talking with him about. Um, and then again, when I was uh, midway through the pandemic, the first lockdown, um, they released on their channels a kind of talking about each album in depth. So it was just one album at a time, and I'd really recommend any music fan, not just a fan of Under Oath, to go and check that out. So they did an, like an album rundown, so um, five or six different, um, two, three hour long and the uh, episodes in, on YouTube and they got their producers in, people who were in the band at that time, people who contributed to making it and it was just so, so in depth. I've always also loved their kind of recording studio videos and all this. So. From that, I'd kind of shared that I was watching that and just tagged a couple of Under Oath guys that I followed on social media and Chris was just super responsive, saying thanks for watching and stuff. And from there, I just kind of, you know, kept in touch a little bit from afar, you know, um, being respectful that this is a, a guy, I'm just a fan, at, you know, at that stage. So it was awesome that he was responsive to coming on this and having a conversation. Um, you know, he doesn't owe that to anybody. And a lot of people at his level will look at the numbers of followers and things like that. And we're not where we want to be at that point. I don't have any targets, but we certainly want to be more than, um, you know, just a few kind of key listeners, as thankful as I am to all of you. Um, but that wasn't his attitude at all. He said he would love to chat. And uh, yeah, super thankful he gave up his time to do that. So they talked about, um, don't know if I got an exclusive, but pretty, pretty recent news about their new album and the fact that uh, they've done it themselves for the first time in their career. Um, we talked about the scoring, we talked about the pandemic, and we talked about a lot of stuff in between. So again, thanks so much to him. Thanks so much to you guys for listening. And without further ado, this is Chris Dudley of Under Oath, and it's episode nine of the Ammo Hour. Okay, I'm here with Chris Dudley from Under Oath, yes. synth player and uh, absolute headbanger extraordinaire. 
Uh, to, to my detriment, I think. But uh, yeah, no, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> you suffer bad from the bangovers on tour, man. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of beyond that at this point. Like you, there's a, you know, anybody who's like in a heavy band knows that like after like you know a week or so of being on tour like the muscle fatigue goes away but um i've been uh doing this for a long time so my my actual like skeletal makeup of my neck is like just trashed but yeah. uh but it's rock and roll and i have fun so yeah it's good times yeah man jesus it's like uh yeah, I mean, I, I sing as well. I do a bit of headbanging on our tours, but it's not super heavy. I was in heavier bands when I was younger, but yeah, yeah man, like you get that dull, dull ache after maybe a week, and then it's just like second nature. But can't be yeah, doing great yeah. things for the vertebrae, can it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's not great. I actually I had to go uh, I had to go to a doctor because uh, I was having some like some weird issues where like um, I wasn't able to swallow properly if I had my head turned. And, um, I had this thing where like, if I was like, if I had my hands on my head and I turned, there was like a pop, like on the front of my, like where my throat is. And I was like, that can't be good. So I went to the, went to this doctor and they took an x-ray and, uh, the doctor came back in and she goes, she goes, all right. Uh, so when was your car accident? And I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and, uh, and then I had to, I felt like an idiot and I had to explain to her, uh, that, I did it on purpose and yeah, she, she thought that I was an idiot, but, uh, yeah, rock and roll, right. You know, it's, it's good to the job, man. I mean, th this wasn't a point I'd really thought too much about, but it is a real signature style. Like a lot of people obviously rock out, but I think you, you know, obviously your parts are so vital and we'll get into that, um, in a minute and certainly how I changed how I listen to music and identify pieces and stuff, the textures you build, but I guess you bring so much to the band, even when you're not hitting those keys. Like energy is a massive part. It's kind of like the the bands, the indie bands of the '90s. You know, you're like a hype man as well. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't think it about it that much. Like I just, I I just really enjoy playing live music. Um, and yeah. this is the only band that I've ever been able to do that with. Um, I played one song once with another band. We did like a cover song. Um, but that's the only other time that I've ever played live music. Uh, and I just, yeah, I like it, man. I don't know. I just, I, I have fun and yeah, I just don't think about it much. It's infectious, man. It rubs off a hundred percent. It's like, uh, you know, rugby over here or football over there. And you're setting that tone. You're getting that big hit in early. You're lifting yeah, man, everybody up, you know? I, I honestly just can't wait for live music to be a thing uh -huh. again. Like I, I am super thankful for, the time that I've gotten, uh, at home with my family during all this, but like, it's funny the, well, it's not really funny, but, uh, it was probably like a month or two ago. Um, we were just watching YouTube videos like as a family in, in our living room. And, uh, I came across the Coldplay fix you video. Um, I don't know if you've seen that video, but it's, uh, a video where, you know, he's doing his like walking thing and singing at the camera. Like they did, and basically all their videos up until that point. But then at the end of the video, like probably the last quarter of the video, you realize that he's walking to like one of their shows and he like walks up the stairs into Wembley, uh, stadium, which, which is the big one, right? The stadium's yeah, yeah. a big one. Yeah. Um, and he just walks out on stage and there's just like whatever, 40,000 people there. And the remainder of the video is them playing the song live and like, dude, I got like emotional. I was like, I mean, this is after almost 
you know, it was like a year of like live music, not really being a thing. And, uh, I just had the thought of like, man, like what if that doesn't happen again? Or like when it does, it's going to be amazing. Like just all these, all these like just ideas and got all, I got all emotional, but, uh, no, it's wild. Man, it's so alien to what's going on right now. I mean, even I hate this, like succumbing to this, the new normal. Like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist against all that. Like, I understand it's all completely, uh, completely necessary. Do I think some people are obviously taking advantage of it? Of course. Um, but like, even my mindset's changed. You know, I'm a musician, uh, nowhere near like your level. I'm a big fan of music, but I even think like, oh man, you can't just have. 20,000 people in a in an arena now like your yeah. mindset's changed yeah. you know for for sure and and I think some of that is a lot of it I think is valid I think that um you know there's going to be an amount of time that goes by from the from the point where whatever authority you say like hey you are now allowed to do this to where people will feel comfortable doing that like the idea of me the idea for me of being in a room with thousands of people just closed and hot and sweaty. It sounds amazing in the emotional sense because I'm like, oh man, being in a room and feeling music with people would be great. But the, uh, everything else I'm like, oh man, I don't know how, how comfortable I feel with that. You know, I think it's going to be a bit of time that has to go by before, you know, hopefully is, you know, if everything goes well with the vaccines and all that, and you know, hopefully this is able to be put behind us. There's going to be a a period of time that goes by where people are just going to have to, uh, acclimate to like, Oh, like this is okay. Like we can, we can like be in this room. Like it's cause it's just, you know, been such a ingrained, I don't know if you want to call it a trauma, but like an ingrained thing in our head of like, stay away from people. Like don't breathe on people. And basically a live concert is, is everything opposite of that. It's like, get everybody in one room, everybody yelling like that sort of thing. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's wild. I wonder as well if, um, obviously, you being a parent, you'll you'll be aware of this. Like, you know, kids and adults, like all of us, we're meant to kind of get in around germs and stuff. It builds up antibodies. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for good reason, we've had to have this pure disassociation from it all. I don't know what it's been like in kind of your state and where you are. But, you know, in Scotland, me and my wife are really sociable people here in Glasgow. But no one's been in our house for like a year. I mean, we've mm. seen people on a walk outside and stuff, but we've not mm. had people up. And that's so weird. I wonder if there's going to be other issues with people all coming together, even when COVID's not a thing, because we've essentially been hibernating, you know? Yeah, I think there could be. I mean, I think it will, in my non-scientific brain, I would assume that it would not be as bad as, you know, COVID. You know, I think yeah. it'll probably be, there will definitely be a, probably an increase in people getting just like colds and sore throats and runny noses and that sort of thing, because you know, the, it, those things just haven't really been happening as much. Uh, but you know, hopefully once the, once the needle kind of comes back to the middle, hopefully, you know, we're kind of back in a somewhat normal situation, but I'm, you know, knocking on wood at the same time. Cause yeah, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm kinda I'm kinda, you know, hopeful for this year, but kinda resigned to the fact that it could just be another year of full disruptions and you know, if that means we get normality kinda next year, then whatever, you know. Yeah, like you I'm kind of in that same spot. Like I am not looking at 
personally, I'm not looking at 2021 as being the year where like, oh, yeah, OK, now we're out of 2020. It's good. It's like I kind of think 2021 is going to be a bit of a like I said, like the needle's going to kind of start moving back toward the middle. And then as far as like being able to like walk into a room with a bunch of people and have it be like just cool. I'm honestly thinking like 2022 is probably going to be that, that time. Um, but that said, I, you know, I'm excited for this year. Like I, I've, you know, there's that the idea, I I don't think we're going to be touring this year. I think that it's probably not going to be until early 2022 if I had to guess. So, you know, I've, you know, I'm kind of structuring my year around that and, you know, creatively and with my family and everything. So, you know, knowing kind of what the year is going to be going into it, I think that's a lot different than 2020 was where we were just kind of like thrown into it. They're like, it's like, Hey, you had all these plans for the year, but now you got to just forget all that and just try to figure out what you're going to do. But now going into it with more of an intentional mindset, I'm excited about it because I've got I've got plans and things I want to do and, uh, you know, creatively, but also just with my family and uh, yeah, just trying to have a good mindset going into that's, it. That's the way to do it, man. And I think um, I wanted to kind of touch on this as well. I think content has been obviously has been consumed, you know, in, in, in so many bigger ways because people are stuck at home i absolutely loved what you guys did with the twitch and then put it onto mm-hmm. youtube with sitting listening to the, the albums and breaking that down and speaking with the producers and speaking about how the songs were composed and the inspiration man as a as a fan of just music let alone your band that was just so great to like oh thank you and, and you know sink teeth into but it really made me think it's crazy it seems like erase me is is a new album and that's because it kind of dropped. And then not too long after that, the kind of world went on hold, you know? Yeah, it's weird for us because um, I don't think we've actually like said this publicly yet, but like we had plans to record a new album and have it out like mid-2020 because we, uh, we had a tour booked with Slipknot for the summer of 2020. Oh, and when, when we got that tour confirmed, we announced it. And then our thought was, okay, we're going to record a new record and then we want to have like at least a song out by the time we hit the road with Slipknot, which was going to be in like late May. So the initial plan was for us, you know, fall of 2020 was going to be us doing a headlining tour off our new record. Um, But then when COVID hit and the Slipknot tour got pushed and the world got pushed, we realized we're like, hey, like we don't really need to record this record now. You know, why don't we sit on it for a little while and just see what happens? And that's what we did. We really sat on it for, I mean, almost a year. Uh, and it re I'd be really interested to see what the record would have been had we recorded it when we were planning on. Cause mm-hmm. so much has changed for us personally and creatively since then that, it's really, um, it really impacted the record. Um, I, this is honestly the first thing that I've done where I've actually talked about us having a new record, but um, it's uh, it's way different than it would have been. Like, uh, I, yeah, it's weird because Erase Me also to me feels like, man, like I, I saw a thing that popped up on my Facebook memories today. It was like, oh, like, 
you know, it was like three years ago, this thing happened where we were promoting the, the record that was about to come out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it came out in like 2018. How crazy is that? But we toured nonstop for it. Yeah. And uh, so even if we put out the new record now, it would still be like, oh yeah, they put out that record like two and a half years ago and now they have a new record. But I don't know. Time is just a weird thing lately oh, where it's stuff is just flying by. And I don't know if that's just me getting older and nah, like, man. As people get older, they say that, but I'm just like, holy crap, like, how was this thing a year ago or two years ago or whatever? It's just, yeah, it's crazy. No, it certainly does feel like that to me as well, man. And and especially, you know, as we're concerning your music just now, especially with Erase Me, it still feels really fresh and new. And, and I love it, by the way, as well, as part of the collection. Um, I was going to ask about that, like, putting that on hold, as you were saying there, um, do you mean that like did you go back and change the songs were they already pre-produced and was it you know lyrically and melodically things changed or literally were you picking at the bones and going man this was written a year ago let's develop it further uh it's a little of all of it um there were entire song ideas that got scrapped there were uh things that we were trying to make work that we couldn't figure out how to make work then that we since have figured out how to make work, you know, like there was a, uh, you know, just riffs and parts that we're like, man, this is really cool, but we don't know how to make this work with a song or we don't know how to fit this in, but we really like this, this part or this bridge idea or whatever. And we have since figured out how to do that. Um, there's also just, uh, I think dynamically there's been, uh, a, a good bit of a change as well. Like Aaron is, uh, he's singing a lot more on this record. Uh, Spencer is like, just really stepped his game up. Like everything that he's doing is so much better. And, um, you know, and honestly on, on my end, you know, I've been doing a lot of film scoring, uh, over the past couple years, but particularly in 2020, like my, that was my entire year was, uh, was scoring film. So I think I brought a lot more of that, uh, that sensibility into the record. I'm just, yeah, it, everything changed like there wasn't you know there might be like one or two ideas that we had that kind of made it through the the if you want to call it the filter of 2020 but you know the, a lot of it changed for you know and it was all for the better like when i go back and listen to the older ideas i'm like oh man i'm so glad that we that we held off but you know who knows i might be looking at this record in a year and be like man i wish we would have waited another year but that's i think that's kind of the the nature of art in general you know you're always uh you know you're always wanting to pick it stuff you know of course man like i've all you know i always think that you know as soon as i write something or we put something out i can imagine anyone does if they're uh, you know they write stories they paint pictures they make music soon as it's out there, it's not yours anymore. You know, people will take their own meaning on from it and their own mm -hmm. kind of emotions attached to it and stuff. And whether you critique it back or whatever, that's just inspiration to make the next piece. You know, if we were totally yeah. satisfied with it, you'd probably be like, well, I guess that's me done. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, that's an interesting take, I think, on, you know, what a piece of art becomes emotionally after it's released. I, I think I, I look at that with, you know, music and movies and, you know, whatever, like uh, there's certain things that were released at a certain point in my life. And, you know, when I go back and I watch a movie or I, I listen to a, uh, an album, it just, that's what that is for me. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's interesting as it relates to 2020 as well, because for me, 
there's been a, you know, a lot of good music that has come out in 2020, but to me it all that the, even the stuff that I love, like I have a feeling in like a year or two, I'm going to listen to it and it's just going to take me back to being, you know, quarantined in my house, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> that it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I hope that that's not the case. Like I want to listen to good stuff that's come out this year and, you know, have fond memories and have good feelings about it. But, you know, it might be that thing where, you know, it's the album that I listened to when I was having a really hard time in high school. And then when I listen to it, it just takes me back to that. And I don't like mm. it, but I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not quite weird. the same as the album you hear, like you saw the band at the festival or you're on your kind of young tours and you're in the van blasting a tune, you know, like it's not going exactly. to be the same. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. There, there, but there's been some great art in general that's come out this year. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, honestly, though, to see what this year and next year bring because the 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 stuff that people have been doing throughout 2020 we're going to start uh-huh. seeing it come out and I'm really interested to see what that is um you know I've I've gotten snippets of uh things from bands that 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 were friends with uh you know artists that I know directors I know and so much of it is like next level and I think a lot of it is because it's just been so like laser focused on because people are just sitting and and focusing on their work intently. Like their meetings aren't happening. Tours aren't happening. Uh, you know, mo- film shoots aren't happening. It's literally just like, okay, I have these ideas. How do I make these ideas the best they can be? So I really think that this year and next year are going to be just bananas as yeah. far as the, the quality of art that's coming out. No, I agree. Um, yeah, I think anyone I know that creates uh, anything as well has, you know, there's been other things going on as well, but, um, you know, other stresses in terms of livelihoods and stuff. However, oh, yeah. there's, de- there's definitely been time afforded to create more than there ever has before. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where do you think, scrolling back to um, to the new album, um, does, how does it kind of, I don't mean measure up, where does it kind of fit in the in the kind of sound of the other records? I did, the, the last one was kind of more straight up kind of rock that packs a punch with a lot more like vocals than I'd heard before from Spencer. And I thought mm-hmm. it was amazing, like really awesomely produced. And it was a great kind of return. Lost in the Sound of Separation was one of my favorites because it was, you know, you were really shining in terms of creating a huge big soundscapes. And obviously the earlier ones are just everyone's beloved, you know, records. Where does this one kind of fit within it all? It's funny because I'm in this weird spot where I'm like, wait, am I like allowed to talk about this? Like, because we literally just got done with the record like last week. So I'm like, and then yeah, we, we message on Instagram. You're like, hey, do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, but uh, I can the hold this rec- off until no, you no. Need- I mean, no. I mean, it's I, it's not like I'm playing the record over the podcast or anything. So yeah. I guess I'm fine. But um, overall, the record is uh, it's a lot heavier than we uh had anticipated i think even if we would have recorded it um in 2020 when we were planning on uh it would not have been nearly as heavy um i think it would have been a lot more rock centered um you know there's a lot of great there's a lot of great melody on it and a lot of experimentation um i'm i'm in a I'm always weird about comparing our albums to other albums of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really think that 
I mean, I haven't really thought super hard about what that would be. I guess I would say that it's if uh, I would say that it's probably a really good mix of like a lot of the heaviness of lost in the sound of separation. Um, but also with like melody of erase me, but like with Aaron singing a lot more, but Spencer's even his, his vocals are so much more developed than they even were on erase me that it's like, you know, it's kind of like a half and half thing. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's but but then some of it is just like not like anything that we've done yet. Like there's some really uh, out there experimentation things that we haven't done before that that I'm that are honestly those are my favorite things on the record. Um, there's like a really long uh, jammy song. It's like like seven and a half minutes, and it's like this like tells this crazy story and. Um, yeah, it's, it's all over the place. I, I, uh, it's, I mean, but it's not even mixed yet. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I want I want to be able to sit with it after it's mixed and hear it in yeah. an order, but yeah, I'm, oh gosh, I'm incredibly, uh, excited about it. That's awesome, man. Do you feel that, um, cause I mean, one thing that really sticks out for me and I think it's awesome uh, is your enthusiasm for kind of new gadgets or trying new things. Uh, whenever I see kind of documentaries from you guys recording, um, you know, it's like you'll be like, look, guys, I got this new app or I got this new toy. And yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's really inspiring as it is. A lot of people can have the same kind of gear and just update mm-hmm. the software and stuff. You seem to like always be in search for something else um, and not be afraid to use kind of rudimentary things. Like I've got an app on a phone, you know, like because mm-hmm. it yeah. makes the sound I'm looking for. Do you feel that being immersed in the scoring for the movies and stuff has added a new layer to what you can bring to the band? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, you know, I think specifically since like, probably since like early 2018, um, you know, that's really been when I've been focusing on the film stuff and that's a whole other world of, uh, you know, uh, it was a skill set that I didn't have. Um, you know, I, I was just like, man, I, I would love to write music for film, but didn't really know how to go about it. So it's honestly just been like years of, you know, really honing those type of skills, but also just sonically. I mean, there's, you know, the instrumentation, the the, uh, the uh, techniques that are used for, you know, different types of film scoring. Like I did a, a horror film that, you know, there was a whole... Uh, there was a whole sonic palette that I built for that film. And then I did like this, this like, you know, uh, period thriller, like takes place in the twenties. So like there was a whole sonic palette for that, you know, all like stringed instruments and mm-hmm. woodwinds and stuff. And then like, I, I did like this drama that's all like really lush, like synth type stuff. So I'm kind of like, I found that I was able to kind of take little bits from each of these areas and kind of bring it in and figure out like, well, what would work with under oath? Like there's, there's a song where I, there was an instrument that I built for, um, uh, the horror film that I did. And there was a part on this under oath song where we were just like, we want this to sound just like, just as big and as evil as possible. Like, how do we do that? And, uh, and I was like, Oh, I have this thing that I built for this movie. And I, 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 
played it and and everyone's like wait what the hell is that and i'm like oh i made it for this movie i didn't think it would work here and there was a lot of that that kind of happened so i it was super fun like really uh really interesting to see how those different worlds can kind of come together and make something that's uh yeah that i'm just super stoked on honestly that's awesome man because i guess that must be like night and day i mean for guitarists of course you know guitarists drummers basses of course there's new pedals there's new cymbals you know there's new styles and stuff but i guess when you were starting out obviously i don't want to answer the question for you but i have no idea on like the sense and the kind of soundscaping and texture building and stuff but i guess when you were starting out it was kind of like well this is my machine and i kind of have that to play with so as new technologies come out, as new experience, it must just be like almost like reinventing your instrument every day or every month, you know, whenever you learn new things. Yeah, it, there's a lot of that. I mean, when I started in Under Oath, um, you know, I was in high school and I was a guitar player. Um, and uh, initially our, our, our old singer was playing keyboards and singing at the same time. And, uh, you know, he came to me one day and he was like, hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to either find a keyboard player or we're going to just get rid of keyboards. Cause I don't want to do both. And, uh, I kind of just happened to fall into playing that way. Cause back then, you know, it was just a high school band and, um, you know, I, I didn't think I was really committing to anything, but here we are, I'm going to be, you know, 40 in no time and I'm, uh, you know, I'm still doing it. But, um, I, uh, but back then it, it, it I had literally just a Casio, like one of those keyboards with the with the speakers on the top that you can buy at like Walmart. Like that was my that was my instrument. And then, you know, I kind of got into, you know, more like workstation based things. And then really once I started, uh, you know, this is probably I would say probably 2000 mid 2006 when I really started working more in software, you know, in DAWs and plugins and things like that that was really where the gates opened up for me where I realized like, Oh my gosh, like I'll, I'll never learn all this. It's going to be a lifetime of learning. And, you know, and then even it even got more so when I started doing film stuff, because then I was like, all right, I need to learn what, how to do orchestral music. I need to learn, you know, what a, you know, a first chair string does a second chair string. Like, you know, I can write this cello line on a keyboard, but an actual cellist wouldn't be able to play it. So it's going to sound unnatural, like those type of things. And like, mm. where does a woodwind sit in a in a orchestration? Where does the brass sit? Where does a violin sit? Where's the percussion go? Like all of those things. So there's that that needed to be learned, but also just those instruments as well, because there's a lot of amazing uh, software emulations of these things that uh 99% of people would never be able to tell the difference. So like learning those instruments and like trying to get good with that to where, you know, I can, you know, create scores that are believable, uh, but not at the budget of a, you know, a $50 million movie. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's a lot of learning, but I think that's with, you know, anybody who does anything, you know, I think you know, like you were saying that if you're a guitarist or you're a drummer, like, you know, there's always going to be a lifetime of learning, new things, whether it's techniques or equipment, or if you're a, you know, if you draw or if you tattoo or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're always going to be learning something. And I think it's that, that 
uh, desire to continue to learn is the thing that will make you a continually better and better artist in whatever you're doing. Cause it's, it's easy. Like if you find some, some measure of success in whatever you do, whether it's, you know, oh, I found out I can draw caricatures and sell them for, you know, $20 a piece. Now I don't want to do anything else. Like you can get stuck in a thing or, oh, I have a tattoo shop and, you know, people like these simple line drawings. So I don't really want to do anything else. It's like, yeah, you'll, you can continue to do that, but if you want to really like push what it is you're able to do as a person, like it's that that constant drive to just like, all right, what's another thing I can learn? Like, what's another way I can do this? And yeah, I don't know. I I, uh, I try to be intentional about that, but you know, it 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 doesn't always uh, turn out the way I'd I'd hoped. But I think that that trial and error is just kind of part of the process, you know. Man, like I didn't, you know, I I respected what you did, and and I've been around people that kind of, you know, play the role you play. Um, as I said, that kind of levels not as 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 kind of high or professional, but already thought it was that in depth. But I never even thought about it like that. Like you need to know, like you know, when I'm doing some demos, I might put some synths in and pick the string object. But you're right, I would be playing it like I would play like octaves on a guitar. That's yeah. not necessarily how, like, you know, <laughs> the bow of a string is, you know, so you need to understand that. And uh, I think, you know, that's pretty modest to be thinking that, you know, everyone will look into that kind of stuff. That's that's really in-depth. But obviously, you know, has has paid off because you when you couldn't have foreseen the band not being able to kind of make the, the incomes that you would be used to, you've been able to be like, well, I also have this full-time gig, you know. Yes. Yeah. And honestly, I, yeah, when I first got into doing film stuff, um, you know, I, I've known, I've always known that I wanted to do that long term. Um, it was just a matter of, I didn't know if I could, I didn't know if I, you know, had the ability to do it. So I just, I, I was having a, a discussion with my wife and, um, this was a few years back and I was like, man, I really want to do this. And she's like, well, why don't you just say you can do it and then, you know, see what happens, you know, see if you, if you get opportunity and it was kind of a snowball from there. So I I've been working toward this being able to be something I do full time and for the, the duration of my career, I just didn't think that it was going to be a thing that would come into play so soon of like, Oh, like this is now, you know, going to supplement some of what I'm losing by not, touring for an entire year. So it lined up in a, in a, in a perfect way. And I'm, I'm super thankful. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's funny though, because, um, you know, I've been doing this for years now, but movies take so long to get made that, uh, I, there's one documentary that I, I split with it with another composer in LA. Um, and that's out, but every other feature that I've scored is, is coming out in 2021. So I'm going to, there'd be like four movies coming out this year. So I think this year is going to kind of be a really big tell as, as far as if this is something I'll be able to do long-term, like if these films come out and people are like, Oh, this is really good. Or it's like, yeah, that movie's good, but the score kind of sucks. Like, you know, if, if this year goes well, then hopefully I'll be able to continue to do it. And if not, you know, I'm, you know, I gave it, gave it my best and, uh, I'm still in, in my favorite band. So, yeah. Man, I, I'm sure it'll go well, and I think momentum, you know, has a lot 
a lot to say for itself as well. You know, when when one comes out and then people check out that IMDb and then there's like another pops out, you know, that stuff. Yeah, it'll get... look really good on paper. Yeah. It's like, wow, this guy did like five movies in a year. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure it'll sound unreal as well, man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be watching the socials to kind of, you know, see when you put them out. And uh, obviously you're not putting out the movie, but just to go and check them out and stuff. And I'll be looking forward to because awesome. I love the sound of a, of a good score. Yeah, there's a, a movie called Slow West. I don't know if you've ever seen that. An indie I've never movie. heard of it. Mm-mm. It's kind of, it's, um, it's a really, a story about, um, I think it's set back in like, when was it like the early travelers coming, kind of coming to America? Maybe the 20, uh, no, no, like the, the 18. Like the, like the covered wagons and such. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would but, have been like the 17, 1800s, yeah. Yeah, so like that kind of twenties, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like that kind of time, uh, and it like it's this kind of young guy and a, and another person from Scotland come over, and then they meet these kind of like ne'er do wells from like you know other places come to America and that. But the soundtrack is unbelievable. It's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. I like just going walks in the park and listening to that. So I'm gonna make a note. You said it's called Slow West. Slow West. It's got some great actors in it. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's an Australian actor and he's in loads of stuff, um, like loads of kind of like sky indie movies and stuff like that. Um, huh. cool, really cool movie, um, but the soundtrack is brilliant and it's all strings and a lot of like, you know, um, like uh, pizzicato kind of uh, violin and, and lots of cello and stuff. So yeah, I, I love I love a good score. As, yeah, as, I have a I have this list of movies on my phone that when when I have these conversations, like mm-hmm. I just say watch this, and then so now in like two months I'm gonna look at this and be like I don't know what this slow west movie is, but then I'll watch yeah. it. And yeah, do you know who yeah. scored it by chance? Actually, I can look it up. I'm on the internet here. Yeah, I don't know, man, but it is one of my one of my favorites. Um, let's have a look. British New Zealand film. Let's see. IMDb. Let's see who scored this thing. You can see the American internet is far superior to uh, everyone in Scotland. Yeah. (laughs) Mom, get off the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this guy's great. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Jed Kurzel. He did. um, He did this movie that I love called The Babadook. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Did he do yeah. that as well? Yeah, he did nice. that. Yeah, he's yeah, he's really good. I, I love that. Yeah, this one it's like it's almost Shakespearean, like the film and the score. It's like Act One, you know, the demise, Act Two. Nice. That's cool. The, the the fall, you know, and it's really awesome. So yeah, yeah, I recommend that. But yeah, I look forward to hearing your stuff, man. Awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm stoked on it. So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't suck. So you said um, when you were starting out, that was something I was going to ask because, you know, it's not the most common instrument. Like, I um, I can't think of many bands, you know, around the, the same time as Underoath, as far back as you guys, that kind of really implemented synth in the way you did. There's loads of bands that maybe played kind of keys and stuff like that, you know, but keys is different to textures and stuff. Um, so... I mean, I, I can see a lot of obviously things that have come later, like Devil Wears Prada and, and even like Bring Me the Horizon who have taken their production to, you know, the next levels with uh, Jordan Fish. Um, they're surely going to be inspired by some of the stuff you've done. But did anything, insp- obviously you said you took it on because, you know, the singer was dropping it, but did anyone inspire the way you played or, or even music yeah. as a whole? What was your Oh, for sure. Yeah, like back then... 
I was super in, I, I just, I, and I still love fear factory. Like that's, mm-hmm. um, I, I think when I heard Demanufacture by fear factory, that was an album. That was one of those albums where I was like, Oh, I didn't know music could do this. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the way that they melded the electronics with the heavy music, I was like, Oh, like that's something different. Um, and it was, you know, it was a lot of the stuff that, you know, looking back, I can see, you know, even if it was unconscious, the, the influence, you know, a lot of textures, a lot of rhythmic stuff. It was, it was, it's really, really good. Um, also I was really into like, uh, a good bit of like European, like black metal type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but then there's bands like, like Nightwish, uh, that had a lot of like a lot more, um, orchestral stuff going on. It's more like power metal type stuff. Uh, but then electronically, I just, I really liked, uh, you know, Depeche Mode and, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that Radiohead would do. Um, but, but I think as far as what I was doing in Under Oath, a lot of it was inspired by, you know, particularly Fear Factory and Nightwish back then. Um, you know, I, I still, I don't listen, honestly, I don't listen to Nightwish as much as I, as much as I used to, but I still revisit Fear Factory often. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, Bert, Burton Bell, he's, uh, yeah, that, that, that guy's a big deal for, for me, uh, in my, you know, when I was figuring out who I was musically in high school, um, you know, he, I, I didn't realize, but like two of my favorite albums in high school, he sang on both of them. And I didn't, I didn't know that. And then when I put that together later, I was like, Oh damn, like there was a fear factory record, but then, uh, geezer Butler from, uh, 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 black Sabbath, Ozzy's band. Um, he put out a solo record and, uh, uh, Burton C bell was, uh, singing on that as well. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, that's why I love all this stuff. So, yeah. yeah, the perfect marriage of yeah. music. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, did you um, did you always have an aspirations? Like, was music a hobby, or was it always like this is what I want to do? Were, were you obsessed young, or I, I I always feel bad saying this, but like music was one hundred percent like a hobby. Just mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I I I like heavy music, so I want to get a guitar, and I would just noodle around on the guitar. I wasn't great at guitar, and even when I joined Under Oath. It was, uh, you know, like I said, it was just friends in high school that would play in front of nobody. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. That looks like fun. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, after high school, we were we, we were touring a ton, again, playing in front of nobody. But, um, you know, it, it just kind of snowballed into like, oh, like this is now like what I do, you know. And I've, I've always been just a, a music lover, um, you know, just listen to music all the time, you know, really just dove into albums and, you know, the making of them and everything. And I didn't really, but I, I grew up in a really small town. So, uh, it was never a thing that I thought that I could do, I guess. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um, being like, uh, Oh, I'm going to be an astronaut. It's like, you know, I, I grew up in like this little, like it had like our, my town had like 2000 people, uh, in, and we were in, in Florida and it's like, yeah, people 
are astronauts. I know that's a thing. Or people are movie stars. I know that's a thing. But that's not something that we do. Like, that's something that that's like not even an option. So I guess maybe that played into a little bit of why I never really aspired to be like a career musician, just because that was so far out of my reality worldview um, that I just didn't think it would be possible. But then, you know, we just kind of kept playing in front of nobody. And then that nobody turned into five people turned into 15. And then it was just a snowball. It's wild. I don't know if that's the kind of um, vibe for all of you, but I think that comes across a lot in the music. You know, it's quite clearly you could never be called a band that, you know, was trying to write for the radio, yet not being scared and also not having to fall into a scene and trying to be in that scene because, you know, for example, Dangerous Business, you know, I'd never heard a, a song like that hit the mainstream so much mm-hmm. but that was clearly fan pushed you know people loved how heavy it was it was still super melodic i mean that's a recipe for absolute brilliant music in my opinion because i love both aspects you know i love like we do too <laughs> pop, pop sensibility like pop's not a dirty word if it's done correctly you know what i mean but then the heaviest breakdowns like amazing like what could go wrong um, yeah it i i think in general uh, you know, our, our thing has always been, and, and I think it should be for, for any artist. like we write what we are feeling. Like our main thing is if we are in a room and listening to this and it's making us laugh because of how awesome we think it is. Mm-hmm. And you're having that like, Oh my gosh, like that thing, whatever that thing is, that's what you should be writing. And there, you know, we've had, you know, quite a few records and every record has been that, for that time in our lives. Um, you know, you know, you mentioned they're only chasing safety and, you know, after that record kind of did what it did, um, you know, when we went in to do the next record, you know, everybody was kind of like, Oh, you know, well, if you lean into that pop sensibility and you just make bigger choruses and make it even more polished, like that, you guys are just going to go to the stratosphere. And we were just like, we don't want to do that. Like we want to, where we want to write something dark and heavy and that, cause that's just what we were feeling. And that became define the great line. And, um, you know, that record did very well, uh, even better than they're only chasing safety and every record since then, you know, it was the same loss in the sound. And then Aaron left, it was the same with disambiguation and then erase me. It was the same there. And, you know, it's funny cause we had that discussion kind of when we were, in the middle of doing this record, we were like, man, like we don't know if this is really what people want from our band, but we don't care. Like we, this is the thing that we're writing right now. And like, just, you know, parts of it are just, I think maybe the heaviest stuff we've ever done. And we're just like laughing in the studio. We're like, how is that just so evil sounding? And then other stuff where it's like super melodic and are like slow and, you know, and I, but I think that that is, I think that's a recipe for success for or not even for success, but just that's a recipe to make something that will impact somebody in a real way. Because if what you're making, you know, whatever it is that you do, if it excites you that much, there's going to be somebody else that it excites that much as well. You know, who knows how many people it'll be. Maybe it'll be like, you know, 50 people who just really get what you're doing, but those 50 people are going to like 
just dive in and that's going to be their thing. Um, and I think you can feel that with, you know, there's records that in, in pieces of art that are made and they just kind of feel stale and they feel, you know, constructed and, you know, and it's because, you know, it's being made to try to appeal to a mass audience rather than just like, just jive with whoever's making it, you know? Yeah, man. And also I think when people buy into your band, which, you know, is, is so, so clearly they have, you know, your fan base is unreal um, and well-deserved. Like they're trusting you. Like, yeah, you're me. Ma- I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, if you thought about, oh, what do the fans want? Do they want another of this or that? You know, maybe some of them, but for the most part, they are your, like, people are fans of bands because of what the band does. And what you guys do is change it up, but still keep that honesty, which is under oath, you know? So they're trusting you to do what you feel passionate about, and then they'll buy into that because it's quite clearly you're vibing off it so much, you know? Yeah, and and I, I you know, we're honestly, we're thankful for that because that's not the norm. Like, you know, normally if a band kind of changes what they do, you know, that's the end of it. Um, but you know, the idea that anybody would look at us in the same way that I look at other bands that do a similar thing. Um, like I was, I was giving the example the other day. Um, I was talking about EPs and how much I like EPs. Um, and I was talking about nine inch nails and how they're a band that even if they release an album, or an EP or whatever that I'm not really feeling. I'm like, yeah, this, I don't think this is very good. It doesn't diminish what I think of Nine Inch Nails because I understand what it is that they do and who it is that they are. And I'm just looking forward to the next thing. Like they, they put out um, this, uh, this EP called Ad Violence, which I just loved. And then they did another one, and then they released this one called the Bad Witch EP, which I just didn't dig at all. Like I remember, I remember specifically the day it came out. I listened to it all the way through, and I was like, "That is not for me." But it was not a "Oh man, what happened to Nine Inch Nails?" Like they used to be so good. It was a, "Well, they did that. It's not jiving with me, but I I know that they loved it, so I can't wait to hear what it is that they love on the next record because it, it there's a really good chance it's gonna like hit me." Um, and they did and it did. Uh, but that's, I don't know, that just excites me musically. And, you know, there's not a lot of bands that I, that I feel that confident in. Um, and Mm -hmm. the, the, the idea that anybody would, would view us in that light and feel confident in, you know, just following us on our journey. Like, yeah, that's, that's really cool. No, man, it's exciting. Like, I 100% I, I love all music I know that's such a cliche but like if I if I like it I like it I don't mm-hmm. need to say I, I won't listen to that genre like you know I might not like some bands or, or records within that genre but I'll give anything a chance and yeah you're, you're right there is some bands I'm like you know I hope they make something else like that because they're really good at that well you guys yeah. like <laughs> I, I, I'm just excited each time because I'm like this could be anything but I know I love it you know so awesome yeah. It's, well, it's, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah well, man, it's, who who it's knows? Exciting. I mean, this might be one that we're just super pumped on, and then everybody else is like, "Yeah." But you know, we're we're the ones playing it on stage. Hopefully, at some point. So we're, uh, yeah, we're stoked on it. No, nah, man, you got to be. Um, who who did did you record this one with? Someone you worked with before? We uh, we decided we were not going to work with a producer at all on this record. Nice. Uh, we literally just uh, uh, we we realized that. 
specifically through 2020, like, you know, I'm, you know, like I said, obviously I'm doing a lot of film stuff. Um, you know, Aaron has been co-writing with a ton of bands, recording a bunch of stuff. Tim has an entire studio in Tampa. He's been recording bands for years. And, um, you know, Spencer has been writing with a bunch of people and we were just like, we, other people pay us to make their music. Like if we're all together, why is it that we, do we need to bring anybody into this process? Like we all have the equipment, we all have the know-how, we all know how to do this. Like, why don't we just do it ourselves? And, you know, we're, we're, we love, you know, all the producers we work with before, but it just felt right to just for the first time, we've never done this before. It's just take the reins completely ourselves and say, we're going to do this entire thing ourselves. We got, um, actually our live front of house guy is the one that engineered it. Um, he's just ridiculously talented and obviously he's not working cause you know, mm-hmm. we're not on the road and we called him up. He's local to Tampa. We were like, yo, we're going to do our record ourselves. Do you want to engineer it? And we'll go from there. And he was like, hell yeah. So we just, we just hold up us and our, our dude. And, um, we, we just did it. And man, it, it was, a it was a, a process, you know, we, we, there was, you know, some kind of personal things that we went through and, uh, you know, there was some arguing and some, uh, some crying and some, some laughing and it was a, it was a whole process, but we, but we did it and it felt Mm -hmm. like so good. Like we went out to dinner, um, uh, the night that we got done with the record, it's not, like I said, it's not mixed yet, but the night we got done mixed, uh, tracking it. And, um, I was talking to Spencer about that and, you know, he was saying like, this record is what it is because we decided to take it on ourselves and it would not have been what it is if we didn't have to go through all the, you know, all the stuff that we had to get through to get there. But, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just, it sounds like just artists waxing poetic, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It feels special. So you can, you can look back on this interview and like, whenever the record comes out and like, and then you can be like, yeah, he was right. Or like, man, was he so off <laughs> from what that record was? But what, no, was man, like- I, I totally respect that because, um, you know, that's something you've obviously, you know, we're probably the same age here, man, you know, mid thirties, you know, like you've learned so much working with great producers. It's not like you're just thinking, oh, we can do that easy on your first try. You know, you've, through it as you said you all do it in different uh, ways as as side hustles as well as as full-time careers when you're not uh, touring so you know those guys that you've worked with before are contributing to it and the lessons that you've learned from then but it, it would still scare me even at the level just we're at you know what I mean so to be on your platform and do it it's absolute balls, you know, because it was, it was honestly scary. <laughs> I often think like, you know, on one hand, you're like, why is this producer telling me to do that? I don't need pre-production. But on the other hand, you'll leave that room and you've only taken maybe two bits of his suggestions for the songs. But you're like, oh, man, they are killer suggestions, you know, so yeah. having that fear. But that's you've got to trust each other. And you're the yeah. guys that wrote it. You've been on the journey. You know what Underoath is more than anyone, you know? Yeah, and we're all also very, um, uh, very opinionated musically. So the way that we view it is, if something can get through our collective filter of what we like, then it's going to come out on the other end 
something special. Um, cause we realized after we got done with this record that, um, there has not been a record since define the great define the great line was the last record that we did where we were all stoked on, uh, all of it, actually, aside from one song that we, we found out there was a song on Define the Rate Line that Spencer didn't like at the time. But um, ba- we basically were on board for everything up until Define the Rate Line. And then after Define the Rate Line, you know, there were concessions being made uh, to keep peace, you know, on, you know, certain uh, certain levels. You know, there were songs, there were parts of songs that some guys didn't like. Um but looking at it from a, okay, well, you know, he likes it. I don't have to like everything viewpoint. Um, but with this record, literally every part in every song was like dissected. And like, there's like a guitar part that, you know, Spencer's like, man, like it <clears throat> feels like it just doesn't have like what it needs. And the, the rest of us are like, yo, it sounds, it sounds fine. And then he's like, wait, but what if it just like did this thing? And we're like, oh, that's really cool. He's like, yes, that's it. So it was that, but for every drum part, every guitar part, every vocal line, every electronic part just went through that filter and it got down to the end and the end is what the, what the record is. So, um, I have, it kind of goes back to that thing that we were saying about, you know, if you're making art and it excites you, there's going to be somebody else who it also excites. Like, I, I feel like if this record as a whole got through all of us and we're all stoked on it, there's going to be somebody that is also stoked on it. Um, whether or not, uh, it's a lot of people who, who knows, but you know, if, if we, like you said, if we wrote that way, then, you know, we'd be writing some, some stale stuff. So yeah, we'll see. Man, that just adds, uh, I I know, I know I'm not just giving like, you know, (laughs) blowing smoke here, but like, I know that was going to excite so many under oath fans to like, you guys have done that yourself. (laughs) Uh, We could just crash and burn, but I think that's the exciting part of it. No, that gives it like so much extra dimension to me um, because, you know, no matter how much you trust a producer or, you know, no matter how confident you are in speaking your mind, there's always going to be the point where you're probably not going to do what you just talked about for every single bit because you don't mm-hmm. want him to be like, come on a fuck, guys, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes yeah. you're going to be a little within yourself not always you know but it's yeah. just not natural you don't push things as far as you can all the yeah. time yeah um, but this way i'm sure because if i was with my bandmates it'd be totally different i'd be like now nah, let's you know this vocal could do these four melodies and they might be like man the first one's fine i'll be like no let's record all four and then we'll decide you know yes that that's a big thing like uh and that's something that we did a lot of like saying okay we've got this thing that works but these two guys have other ideas let's chase those ideas and then once we have those recorded let's just a b them like whichever one Mm -hmm. is better like we'll we'll do and i would say probably 70 percent of the time the thing that worked the first thing didn't end up sticking um Mm. and i think that that's just uh you know a a fun part of the process when you have a song that you think is like dialed and then you dig into it for a day or two and you're like oh man now it's like like sharp you know yeah did um did your front of house engineer did he studio engineer other records as well or will this be a kind of big deal for him as well no this is the first he did um uh i don't know if you heard but we did a uh 
a, a lot. We did a live stream, uh, a series of live streams earlier in the in the year in the 2020. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, awesome, he man. did the sound yeah. for those, um, which was basically recording a band in a studio live. Um, you know, and those sound great. Um, and, uh, yeah, so no, he's never done a record before. Um, and honestly, we just love working with dudes that we love and we know how talented he is. And we're just like, Hey, do you want to do our record? And he was like, like the record record. And it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's been a cool process for everyone. And, uh, honestly, I hope that this turns into him being able to do this more because it's a, it's a talent that he's got that he has not really, uh, had a chance to pursue um so I, I i think that after this record comes out he'll he'll be getting a lot more work because he's uh yeah he he's better at our instruments uh than us for the most part which which is funny like there there's there's a couple times where we'd be you know uh like aaron would be like trying to record a drum part and then he's just like he's like he's like not quite nailing it and aaron was just like jj just come in and play it and jj's like I can play it, but I'm not going to because this is your record. You're going to do it. And like, you know, he was he'd be jamming on like bass stuff and guitar stuff and key stuff because he's just like an, an insanely talented uh, guy. But, you know, I, I we just we love working with our uh, with our people and like that. The observatory thing, like we got our uh, our lighting designer that we that we uh, use on tour. You know, we brought him in for that. And, you know, we just like working with our with our dudes, you know, as much as possible. Keep keep it in the family. Yeah, man, especially through this time, like you said, they can't work. So, you know, it's not like, you know, you didn't do that as a favor. That guy's earned that right. But had you been going with a, a name producer before? And I know you don't just pick it because of the name. Like, they're a name because of the talent. But mm-hmm. the pressure would have been on. It might, in normal circumstances, if you hadn't taken this extra time to do that, you probably wouldn't have had the freedom to go, you know what, man, like, why don't you record yeah. the album? So oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's all worked out. There's so many like hidden depths that it's almost feels serendipitous, you know, it does to me for sure. I, you know, I, there's a lot of that stuff that's been, uh, throughout 2020 where even though COVID is such a, uh, it's been such a devastating thing for just, I mean, our industry lives, uh, you know, so many industries across the, the planet, you know, I think maybe I've just kind of made a conscious effort to focus on those things that kind of feel serendipitous that have come about because of the situation that we're in, you know, like this record would not have been made this way if we were not in this situation. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, time that I've had with my kids that I would not have had if we had not been in this situation uh, you know, there's, there's so much that you, you know, you can choose to look at and just recognize the positives in it. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I, what I try to do, you know, obviously not negating the, the, the nature of, you know, COVID and lives that have been lost and everything, but just course, trying yeah. to, you know, trying to look in a positive direction. Yeah, man. And and hopefully that's the overriding kind of feeling we talked about at the start. You know, when you listen back to this record, you're not going to be thinking of that year in lockdown. You're going to be yeah. thinking of all the positive <laughs> things that you were able to come out of that, you know? Yeah. Ho- yeah. Hopefully that's uh, that's the goal. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Just just um, another wee quick one. Um, obviously, in the, the last record, it was just it was you, uh, Spencer and Aaron. 
Uh, sorry, and Tim as well. Mm-hmm. Were, were James and Grant involved in this in this one a little bit more hands-on? Uh, they were involved in it more because um, kind of what we realized with, um, you know, but before we did Erase Me is we were really just trying to play to everyone's uh, strengths and, you know, try to have the best record possible. And we realized that even in past records, um, really where James and Grant shine is being able to hear an idea and realize what's working about it and what's not. Um, it's not so much them like, you know, writing this, this, this awesome part or, you know, just nailing this like super tight thing. It's, it's being able to look at this and be like, Hey, you guys think that this is good because of this, but it actually feels like this. Like, what if we took that bridge and put it in half and put this other thing at the end, like that sort of, uh, that sort of input has always been where they there, there's so many amazing moments on our records have been because of those inputs that they have. So we wanted to kind of um, be able to, to to focus on that. So with this record, um, they're involved more than they were on Erase Me. And what, what we did is we they came in um, during uh, pre-production when we had, you know, we had different ideas and. You know, we we sat together in a room and we listened through every single idea and we said, okay, like, you know, what's working, what's not. They would say like, you know, hey, like this chorus feels weird or, uh, you know, what if instead of doing this, you went heavy on this part or that heavy part just feels, you know, and we literally went through and made notes on everything. Uh, And when we were in the studio, we're, you know, trying all that stuff, implementing all those notes, they would come in. You know, they'd be in and out during the uh, the actual tracking and, you know, kind of doing the same thing. And then we, uh, you know, sat down toward the end and did the same thing again. Um, so, you know, they're they're uh, super involved. It's just in a way that we've it's, it's one of those things, like you were saying, you know, you get to a certain age and you realize like, oh, like this is a good way to to do things. You know, we we just realize like, hey, like this is where these dudes shine and. Um, you know, Tim is just a ridiculously tight string player and, uh, you know, we want that in the studio. We want to be able to just like have, have a a specific pocket. Um, and we need Grant and James to be able to, to steer the songs in the direction that they need to go. And yeah, I think it worked out really well. I think it's just like, you know, recording the record yourself, man. I think it's another aspect of bravery and, uh, commendability because I remember watching that documentary um, for Erase Me with you know my bandmates and you know not to throw any controversial stuff obviously you guys would have spoke about that all before that shit was released and stuff you Mm -hmm. know and some of the guys in the band were like oh that seems a little bit tight and I was like well nah you know what they're just not playing the thing you would do when you were 18 and going you know that's not your strength and if we're all going to sit down and go around everyone's opinions when these three are the main, these four are the main songwriters, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're just being really real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for us, even amongst the four of us, like our big thing is just not to have an ego about anything. Like there were times when, when, you know, I would be trying to figure out a part and Aaron would just be like, Oh wait, hold on. And like, kind of just come in and play it. And I'm like, Oh, well that's the part that I was trying to figure out. And there'll be times when, um, you know, Spencer would be trying to sing something. He's like, ah, it's not sounding right. You'd be like, Aaron, come in and sing this part. So Aaron would come in and sing it. Or there was a guitar part that Tim's not really feeling. So, so Aaron would grab the, 
the guitar and and play it. And that's just the the fluid, egoless uh, vibe that we strive to have. It's like we want the best thing for the song. The song is king no matter what, no matter who's playing what, no matter who's writing what, we want the best song possible. Um, you know, and there were like, you know, there were, there were key parts that, that Aaron put down when I wasn't even in the studio cause he had an idea that ended up making the record and I'm not going to record them because they, that works. And, um, you know, and it's that way all the way down guitar, drums, bass, you know, Aaron, Aaron played 99% of the drums on the record, but you know, there were, you know, times where he's like, I don't get what it is that you guys are wanting. And then it was like, you know, it might be 30 minutes of us trying to explain the scene. He's like, Oh, I get it. Okay. Because JJ or Spencer or Tim or myself had, had a better idea than what he was putting down. So, yeah. um, and, and there was just so much said of, you know, I, I don't, uh, there were so many times where we, we were saying, we don't care who's playing what, like Tim, get on the keyboard, you know, Aaron play this guitar part, Spencer play this bass part, like whatever. So, Man, that's such a. I think uh, that that's a great takeaway for anyone musical listening to this. Man, that the song is king, and it it ego, should be. Yes, e- egos have no place if you want to create the very best thing you can. If you want to just keep everyone happy and just do it for fun, that's that's cool. No worries. Mm-hmm. But if you want to ensure that it's the best it can be, they've got to be left at the door. Eh? Yeah, and that's you know honestly easier said than done. You know, it's been. Mm-hmm a long time for us to be able to kind of get to that point and a lot of arguments, a lot of, uh, butting heads, a lot of, uh, crap that we had to go through to be able to get there, but that's where we're at. Um, so, uh, it's, it's worth the, uh, the, the juice is worth the squeeze though. So yeah. Big thing, man. Um, I just want to finish off with a real quick one, man. Don't want to eat up all your day. Um, I like to ask some of my guests, I heard a cool saying through lockdown and it was kind of going around kind of like male mental health a lot, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously something that needs a light kind of shined on it. Um, and it was kind of talking about role models and if you perhaps didn't have that role model. So it was be the person today that your younger self needed. Mm-hmm. So what what kind of, is there anything, you know, with all that, and I'm sure, you know, you're you love your life and stuff. I'm not asking for like, how would you change things? But is there anything kind of going back? Would it maybe made things a little easier for younger Chris or, or anything that you would like to have known back then that you know now? Being where you oh, are? I mean, so much. Uh, I think a big thing that I wish I would have, I would have gotten a grasp on when I was younger was being okay with saying, I don't know. Um, and being being able to say sorry without uh, without a but at the end of it, um, you know, I think that that's a th- those are things that I've kind of grasped a little more as I've gotten a little older. Um, you know, being okay with not having an answer to something and also just you know not j- being that guy that, that apologizes with a but because that's just like that's the worst. Um, but yeah, those are those are probably two big ones for me. Awesome, man. Well, honestly, man, thanks so much for uh, spending your time and and talking oh, about the new record and your your processes and stuff, man. It's been a a real buzz for myself. Yeah, thank you for doing it, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, and, again, uh, sorry to keep you up until like whatever 
one in the morning or something. <laughs> Don't worry, man. I'm, uh, my day tomorrow consists of helping a friend to move house and uh, doing a, a wee radio thing, and then I've got another 23 hours to fill. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> see what happens, man. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think of Slow West. Yes, I will. It's it's yeah. on my list. I'll I'll watch it for sure. And then uh, yeah, after I watch it, I'll uh, I'll send you a note. Let you know what I think. Good man, and yeah, link me up to the score stuff, and uh, I'll keep an eye out. Obviously, for the record, I, awesome. I guess it's going to be a wee while, but uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to it, man. All right, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Right, take care, my brother. Thank you so right. much. Are right, you too? All right, talk soon. Yeah, we're talking about you.